gonna be the best mom. I'm an amazing mother. You are the best mom in the whole world. Lady, you are the best mom ever. Welcome to The Mom Show, My Talk 1071's new show featuring guests and topics that all good moms will want to hear. The phone lines are open for your questions. Am I doing this right? 651-641-1071 or email the show at mytalk1071.com, keyword mom. Yes, thank you for joining us for The Mom Show here on My Talk 1071 and also streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I am Ms. Shannon, always so happy to, to come in here and talk to you about uh, some really, really important topics to make your life a little easier, hopefully, by imparting some wisdom to you, courtesy of our rotating panel of experts. And so today, who's going to help, uh, who's on the line, who help us uh, with this conversation we're going to have today, uh, John Hutchison and Dr. Andrea Hutchison from Care Counseling. So we have you guys remotely. We appreciate you being on the show as always so uh, I do want to say Hi, this as well. Hi and I want to say this as well I want to say uh, happy Father's Day to John so happy Father's Day I hope that you uh, after we do this show enjoy some good father time oh yeah I'm sure there's a mimosa in my future so. <laughs> <laughs> do you send your Hutchinson so go ahead do you um, but I mean I'm, uh, I'm glad that we're going to have this conversation today because we always appreciate when we have our friends from Care Counseling on because we talk about a variety of topics in the mental health, mental illness space. And, you know, right now, because there are so many stressors going on, it's kind of uh, 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 just a, a, a basket full of topics that we can hit at any given time when we have our friends from Care Counseling on. And so yeah, today... Yeah, saying it's in time is a... Just does not do this service. Yeah, and well, so they're all, they're all intersecting. So we're all experiencing multiple things at once. It's not like only one thing's hitting each of us. We are faced with so many different things impacting our mental health all at the same time right now, and we're right. all experiencing it. Right, and it does seem, as you said, Doctor and, uh, Andrea, it says it's it's layered and stacked and stacked and stacked. And so when you would normally have maybe a bit of respite over a particular subject matter, there seems mm -hmm. like there's something else that ends up filling that that space right now so you don't get a break right and that kind of brings us to the idea of today we're going to do the show differently we're going to give you a platform as a you know person of color who's in entertainment to talk about george floyd and uh, what's been happening since then because i think based on our conversations there's a ton of richness there and we want people to lean into this moment and learn from it Right. And so Especially we, white people. we are going today, we're going to cover uh, the topic of mental health and racism. And we're going to cover this in a couple of ways. So we're going to get uh, the perspective and, and allow, you know, John and, and Dr. Andrea to ask some questions, you know, in a in what we're going to create. And I'm going to put this up this way. You know, we appreciate all of our my talkers. And this isn't a scenario that I've had any of my my talkers uh, confront me with. But I know that it is a difficult scenario for people who are going, how do I support my quote unquote black friends? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I what do I? I do what's okay for me to say and then wondering if they are getting pushback what is the scenario what are we doing and so from both sides it gives us kind of a, an opportunity to go well here is the day-to-day -day, uh experiences that you may have for uh, as a uh, uh, a bipoc person a, a black indigenous person of color in this in this community and then also yeah. as you know to you know white americans 
I'm sure, you know, and you guys are my friends. If you have questions and you just haven't asked before, now's the time to get all that awkward out of the way. So it's a good time for you to ask. And I'm one of those people that you can. And we're also going to have two of my very good friends uh, uh, join us for the show later. Um, we're going to have my friend who is an author. Uh, he's also a musician and a performer and a producer. Taylor Cisco is going to be on to talk about things again, kind of from that performer space, you know, and, uh, you know, as a black man in uh, Minnesota. And then we're going to have my friend Denise Felder, who is a career services expert, a career counselor in town, because if we're going to talk about mental health and mental uh, health from those perspectives, I think it's very important to include all of these stressors that are compounded that you may not think of from a racial perspective. And so talking about uh, how it, you know, how these stressors are added to the fact that it's difficult to find employment or the kind of employment that is out there from those kind of for those our communities, I think that that's part of the conversation that I want to make sure we address. Does that sound right to you guys? John that and sounds Andrea? so good to me. Yeah, and as far as like the awkward white person goes, I think that's going to be my role today. <laughs> Dr. Andrea is used to... <laughs> no, I'm going to be awkward too. And you know that my goal and a lot of what we talk about at care counseling with our clinicians, you know, we have clinicians of color and we have a lot of white clinicians. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about race and equity a lot, Uh for years we have been, and it's, um, it can be uncomfortable. Right. And the thing we always say, and Ms. Shannon, correct me if I'm wrong, or if you think we should take a different perspective, I'd love to hear your opinions. We always say, take a risk, say what you're thinking, ask the questions you want to ask, because the only way we're going to learn is by being vulnerable and going through those painful moments. And it's privileged when you shy away from that and ignore talking about it because you have the choice. Right. And I do. So leaning in and being brave. I do agree that it is reasonable for you to find a, you know, I try to use that golden rule thing. Like try to find a way if somebody doesn't ask you an awkward question, how would you like it framed? And I think that there are respectful ways to ask awkward questions. Um, But then I also think that there are ways that you can steal yourself to go okay i'm the one that is creating this awkward scenario and that's a value but also if it doesn't come back exactly as you know you have to be okay with failing because maybe you never know what's going on and that's part of what we'll talk about today is that you also have to try and and project yourself into the other person's shoes and you don't know what additional stressors they are if you think it's awkward for you to deal with it on a tuesday imagine what it's like to deal with it every day you know for years and so you know if you you know i think it's also a manner of going uh, uh, of checking your privilege to the point of going well it not only does it feel awkward but if it also is a matter of i don't i didn't get the answer or i felt like they they made me feel bad Maybe you needed to feel bad. I <laughs> think that's just life. And so it, and, and maybe it is a not a personal thing and you have to work through those emotions and you have to turn those rocks to see what is going on. But that's how we make inroads. You know, yes, maybe you made well, some mistakes. Or a you lot made of some growth. Steps. Yeah, I was just gonna say a lot of growth in life is like that. You know, it can be painful. Even when people come to therapy, therapy isn't all rainbows and butterflies. It can be really painful to see growth. And it's any part of our lives to get to that next stage or to see things differently, it might be a little painful and that's okay. Right. I think of it a, a lot like exercise where like you're stretching muscles and you're using them in different ways and you're, you're becoming stronger, but that doesn't mean you're going to feel great the next morning. 
Right. Agreed. And the more you do it, though, the better you will feel, though, or the more the more yeah. you train those muscles, the more it'll be, it's more likely to become a reflex. Um, and sometimes, yeah, or you know, just create a better world. Right. And I do think that some people are feeling this sense of uh, guilt right now because they go, well, why didn't I know before? So let's uh, let's start with. That's okay. We're going to, you know, I think that there's a lot of us that are willing to meet everybody where they are, you know, kind of thing and try to, that's why we're having conversations like we have today is going, there are lots of ways that we can have these conversations. There are people who are willing to sit down with you, but there's also some work that you can do yourself and you can't always put all of the pressure on your uh, third tier black friend or your coworker that you really didn't talk to about this stuff before. But now you want to come up and go, well, instead of me going out and getting, you know, hitting the library stacks (laughs) or Mm -hmm. finding some podcasts and some other things and doing some of the groundwork, it's, it isn't reasonable. Like it's, I think it's still different to go, well, I'm going to talk to Miss Shannon. Miss Shannon speaks on this or I've seen her do presentations or, you know, I, I know that that's something that she's comfortable doing versus mm-hmm. your neighbor but from two pretty, doors uh, down. I mean, it's, it might be a little there are ways to weed into the waters, wade into the waters in a more a more safe environment for all parties invi- involved. Does that make sense? Total sense. And I love when you said we're all at a different uh, stage. Right. And there's always room for growth. Right. And so there's going to be guilt in that no matter what stage you're at. Um, it's just a piece of this. And there is a lot we can each do on our own. And, you know, some people it is reading a book or listening to a podcast. Some people it's starting to have these conversations. Some people are out protesting. You know, there's lots of different ways we can do this. Exactly. And for me, and it can be different. And one thing I've really liked, um, I started reading the book, My Grandmother's Hands, written mm-hmm. by a Minnesota author. And mm-hmm. it talks a lot about how you can start to notice your own bodily sensation to start mm-hmm. working on racism from the inside out. Right. So even if we're talking about this conversation, the book would encourage you to think about where are you feeling what we're talking about today and to start the internal healing in all of us that we can start talking about this and actually doing things differently. But we need to heal from the inside out no matter what color you are. And Dr. Andrea, I'm glad that you brought that part point up. I think that there's also um, some, I think that people in general are very appreciative of the fact that you attempted to do the work. So if you go out there and you go, well, I did more than I rented the green book and then called it a day, you know, going into that and going, okay, I'm going to do my, my part to go through a slight history lesson. So at least I can have these conversations with some framework and some context. I think that's a value too. And it's also one of the things that we'll bring up with our next guest, Taylor Cisco, just encouraging people to read a variety of things based upon, you know, that are produced by, women and BIPOC communities so that you get the full flavor of it. Don't only go to the part that's only the traumatic side because it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what, you know, I'm sure yeah. you both have heard of the term trauma porn. I try to encourage you to go, there's always a place <laughs> for that, but you don't only have to live in there. It's a, it's a learning the full experience. So we encourage people like to do that as well. like only watching Discovery ID. Exactly. You know, you have to kind of go to some of the rest <laughs> of it and go, well, what's the good side of this too? And what's the good side of this community that I want to be a uh, party to as well? So what we're right. going to do is and we're going to hold your friends accountable. Yes. People. Yes. And yes, so and this isn't just friends. We keep saying this is a lifelong journey and we're all on it. I hope. Right. And it's not just this week. It's not just today. This is something today, every day for the rest of our lives. Well, I would love to. We're going to check in with our two guests and then we're going to wrap up the show with you guys back on the phone and we can kind of go through some additional questions and see what your take is kind of after we uh, have a chance to check in with Taylor Cisco and Denise Felder. Does that work for you guys? 
Wonderful. Thanks, Miss Shannon. Thank All you right. for giving so much of yourself, Miss Shannon. Uh, thank you very much. And we appreciate everybody that's listening to The Mom Show. You can still call in today. The number is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back with this conversation on mental health and racism here on The Mom Show. Welcome back to The Mom Show on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I am Ms. Shannon, and today we're doing things a little differently. We are discussing mental health and racism, courtesy of our friends at Care Counseling, and you are going to get some information from them again at the tail end of the show. But to help us have this conversation, I've invited uh, two of my uh, colleagues, friends, and cohorts uh, in the BIPOC community on to kind of give us some perspective on things. So on the air, on the line right now, uh, my good friend, he is a musician. He he is a writer. He is an author of multiple books. Uh, he is a TV producer and I all around black nerd, just like I am, Mr. Taylor Cisco. How's it going, Taylor? Going good, Shannon. How are you? I'm good. I'm winded now after re- uh, letting everybody relaying all of your accolades uh, to our My Talk audience. But thank you for joining us and happy Father's Day. I know that you got plans later today, Taylor. So thanks for taking a moment out to be on this show. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, now, Taylor, we've known each other for a number of years. And one of the first things that we were on is that we were on a a couple of panels at one of the uh, geek conventions in town. And we happened to be on a panel together for the first time on one that was Afrofuturism. And I know that one of your books kind of falls in line with that. You have some uh, supernatural fiction. Uh, We'll get to your music career and those type of things as well. But this is something that not only have you lived your whole life as a black American, but also as a performer and the way that that is kind of impacted your mental health and how you basically maintain your, your your stamina for being in front of people all the time, even though there might be things thrown at you? Well, absolutely. I mean, that, that sort of intersectionality, it, it kind of adds a layer of protection almost because by being in that performance role, by kind of setting yourself apart and having an audience, whether it's through storytelling or being on stage, uh, performing music or, or, or giving lectures about the books and things that I've written, uh, there's that distancing that mm-hmm. kind of takes place, which uh, it kind of allows for a little bit of insulation. Uh, I'm not immune to it, of course, uh, but in those few moments when I am able to be a performer or kind of be separate, it's it's almost like stepping out, kind of like an alter ego to use some geek terms. It's sort of like I don't have to be Bruce Wayne anymore or T'Challa. I can kind of put on the mask of, okay, now I'm the author, which it does take a toll because a lot of other authors, at least I assume, I mean, can't speak for what they're current mental states are in those times, uh, it seems like they're able to open up in a, in, a, in a way that I don't feel comfortable with all the time, especially being in Minnesota where the audiences are. And I appreciate all the audience members, um, everyone that's done anything to support uh, my endeavors. Uh, I appreciate them, love them so much. It's so great. But I feel like I can't necessarily open up the same way I would uh, like when I was younger and doing stuff for like family and friends in the neighborhood where I knew everybody and but like looking out into a sea of like all white faces or just faces that are completely different from you and alien, there is that sort of hesitance, even though I've been doing this for a very long time, it still gets to me every now and then like, wow, okay. Uh, no one out there looks like they'd be able to relate empirically to all the experiences and some of the things that I've gone through. So let me make sure I'm going to put on sort of the song and dance, even if it's not necessarily singing and dancing, if that right. makes sense. I agree. You do kind of put on this, uh, you cloak yourself uh, as a performer. And I think that, you know, regardless of what race you are, I think that some of that is inherent in being a performer. But 
it, I, I agree with you. You do kind of have this tendency to go, well, how can I make myself as relatable as possible when sometimes I think that some of our, our, our counterparts get the opportunity to just go, well, there's some shorthand involved. So I don't have to try and make myself relatable to them as the prevailing p- members of my audience. They already are here to relate to me. Um, and do you think, you know, uh, I know that you, you know, because we've talked about this, there's been that what we'll call that that overt racism that you've experienced and then that those microaggressions and those sideline things. And so can we kind of go through, you know, how it makes you feel when it's overt versus when you kind of go, I don't even know if they really understand what they did as that action and how how painful that might be. Oh, absolutely. It's it's almost like this kind of spectrum, this scale, where it starts with the worst of the worst. Uh, I won't name names, but there's a venue that I played a, a few years back where the people in the audience, not, not realizing, I don't know if they knew I was going to be performing later or if they knew and didn't care, but were very, very comfortable throwing on the N-word. Right. And uh, that obviously is unacceptable. That's very, very clearly uh, an example of kind of a blatant racism. And then you move on to a little bit smaller stuff, like when I'm performing with my group, it's like it's a country group, and uh, it's not well-known. Uh, a lot of the non-white country artists that we've had throughout the decades are not as popular. Well, like you might get people who are like, oh, yeah, I know Darius Rucker, or they, right. they go deep down, like, I know Charlie Pride. And that, that's about it, even though, you know, we got Ray Charles, we got there's, there's dozens of country music. Is just the genre of music and American music is black music, but that's a whole other thing. I can go on that for hours. <laughs> but then they go into like kind of that milder, so like, oh, okay, so you're in the country band, and they have that look, and it's like again, it's not as bad as them lobbing around the N word. It's definitely not. It's not okay to right. be that shocked. Or uh, and then you get even even milder, which is kind of little disrespectful things. Where even I write a venues or I've gone to. Uh, not really conventions here. The conventions have been pretty much on the level. There have been incidents, but been invited to speak and do some readings and talk about being in black sci-fi and writing Afrofuturism and just showing up, no name tag, not being recognized, and then just having people dismissively saying, oh, I, I bet you're probably like, you, you write that urban fiction. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that genre, but it's just that presumption of, oh, you look this way, so you must act this way. Exactly. Which, again, that same mindset. It's not... In terms of degrees of offense or severity, it's definitely not as bad as people throwing the inward around or blocking me from playing, which has happened in the past, or like, you know, straight up coming at us with violence and those kinds of things. But it's that same mindset, because right. if you're that quick to be dismissive or, or unknowledgeable or surprised and, and unashamed of hiding that surprise, <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that, that's an easy, slippery slope into and it sounds like hyperbole it's not but i mean if you're already in that mindset you can easily it's not that far of a jump to start getting into the more aggressive uh, offenses right right well i you know i know that you've dealt with a lot and you've also had to have you have two uh younger children so you've had a lot of these conversations at home and how's that been working for you um it's it's kind of strange because i i vaguely remember or not vaguely but i do remember getting conversations from my own parents and, and, and my dad about because my dad especially grew up in a very small town in the middle of Illinois, uh, where his family or you know my my grandparents they were among the first families to integrate that that small town, and so the stories he had uh, didn't really sit and didn't sink in as they tend to not to when you're like a young kid even teenagers just like oh that was that was older this is different now, uh, but now seeing having these conversations with my own children, it, it's it's shocking 
how little I've had to actually modify the things that I've said. It's right. the same thing about, you know, you got to protect yourself, be aware. Uh, if nothing you've done, that's the thing I always try and stress. Like you, there is no winning. It's not like a game of chess. It's not, there's no strategy. It's like there are people that you will encounter that for whatever reason, apropos of nothing to do with you or what you say or what you've done, they just have an issue with you. And they're here trying to share some strategies like this is how you deal with it. It's, it's not great. And of course, open and letting them explain their experiences because even though things have changed, things are still the same, they're just putting on different masks for right. how you do it. Like back in the day, it was, you know, you had the signs when my dad was growing up in the, in the 50s. There's Jim Crow is still very active. And Taylor, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to pause you. We're going to go to break, and then we're going to come back, and I'd love to get the rest of your perspective. So I want to remind everybody you're listening. Come back to The Mom Show on MyTalk 107.1 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I am Ms. Shannon, and you are listening to a conversation on mental health and racism, courtesy of our friends at Care Counseling. You can go to their website. It's carecounseling.com. On the line with me, my friend, author, musician, performer, all things amazing Renaissance man, Mr. Taylor Sisko. Uh, thanks for joining us, Taylor, and, and dipping into your Father's Day to be part of this conversation. And speaking of Father's Day, we were talking about some of the conversations you have been having with your kids, with all of the uh, things that are going on currently, but also the things that, as you mentioned, really, unfortunately, have not changed. It's the same conversations that we seem to be having over and over and over again. No, they haven't. Thanks for having me again. Uh, It it, it is one of those odd things. For example, um, uh, Resmo McKinnon. Uh, as, a, as a local mental health professional, he has a book called My Grandmother's Hands that deals with kind of racialized trauma, uh, which is the idea that stress from encountering and dealing with racism and racist situations causes these epigenetic changes. Right. So, um, I mean, in, in layman's terms of plain speak, the idea that traumas are passed down from generation to generation. Uh, and those can be like physical traumas, things like, you know, bipolar disorder, other mental conditions, psychological uh, and then the the one that's probably most pervasive is like these ideas, these behavioral and traditional traumas. So the fact that my dad talked to me about how to interact with law enforcement right. is, is a conversation that his father had with him and a conversation I've had with my own kid. That's not a tradition that, I mean, in my own opinion, that's not a tradition that should be uh, as pervasive and universal uh, among BIPOC people as it is. But it is. It's not unheard of. Like if you go to not to be presumptuous, but if I talk to like my white friends, they're like, no, like that's not a tradition in our family. They wouldn't even think of it that way. They're like, well, maybe like my dad said, hey, if you're going to have a few to drink, don't drive. But they don't have like a serious conversation about surviving and an interaction with police. Whereas if I go to any of my BIPOC friends or just in my my own family, just anyone who has BIPOC friends, uh, that's not only not unheard of, it's expected. They're like, of course you have that conversation. And of course you're going to continue to have that conversation until some pretty significant changes come. And, and that kind of... And I can't see way. a point, unfortunately, because I remember my mom had that you know conversation with my sisters and I, as you mentioned, and I can't see a point where I wouldn't have that concern for my son. You know, and, you know, as he's getting older, I'm going, well, this feels like things are getting worse, not better right now. And that's, that's, that, that's the kicker, especially when it comes to the, the creative spaces, when you're making art, whether it's music, whether it's writing novels and, and short stories or articles... Uh, everything that you create is impacted by your experience. Um, I don't use the term artist because I think everyone's an artist, but I think that anything that's within us that we decide to express outward is going to be naturally impacted and affected by the experiences that we have or are having. And so when you have that kind of tradition that's baked into not just an individual family, but entire families within entire demographics, 
like that definitely taints or colors, so to say, the content and the things that are created in a way that's, I think, unavoidable. Not necessarily tragically unavoidable, just unfortunately unavoidable. Well, Taylor, we appreciate you being part of this conversation today. I want to encourage everybody to go find all of the works you have, including your newest book, Black Nerd Blue Box. I think it's fantastic. And it's uh, it's kind of a memoir. You know, it talks about that. It also has all of the geekness in it. And you learn a lot about you, Taylor. Like, I thought I knew you pretty well, and I learned a lot about you. And so I appreciate <laughs> that. And so I want to encourage everybody to go to your website again. That is, uh, we'll put it on our mom show page, but it's BL. K-I-N-T-L dot com. So black intellectual without the uh, vowels, basically. Um, so, <laughs> but we'll put it on a word. Yeah, we want to encourage everybody to go out there and read Black Nerd Blue Box and also find out when your band, Trey Aaron, is performing again once we start doing live performances. So, Taylor, thank you so much. And I want to leave you with, again, Happy Father's Day. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon, Taylor. Uh, we are talking about mental health and racism here on The Mom Show, a different kind of conversation than we normally have. And so to help me out, uh, I invited two of my friends who are experts in their field and uh, who I've personally had these conversations with before as as a BIPOC friend of theirs. And so I also make sure that my friend Denise Felder is part of the conversation because, Denise, you do a great job of talking to all people about getting a foothold in their career, if they need to make a change, if they're if they feel stagnated, if they uh, lost a job and don't know where to start. So you work with a lot of that, right, Denise? Exactly. Yeah, I kind of I'm starting to call myself the friendly neighborhood career advisor. Right. Um, help, yeah. So, yeah, it's all about helping everyday people make informed decisions. Right. And part of the reason why I wanted to make sure we included you in this conversation is that I think that we'd be remiss in talking about mental health if we didn't talk about how impacted you are from a career standpoint. I mean, jobs are a lot of our identity. Uh, if you're not making, you know, a livable wage, then it really does necessarily, you know, it's definitely one of the things that causes the increased stressors on your life. So. As a black woman and a career counselor, how do you see this impacting not only your life, but those people that you're trying to help? It is really um, a tough time. Everybody's going through a tough time right now, but especially for black and brown people um, in Minnesota, it's it's really hard when you're talking about employment. We're going through three things, um, kind of three pandemics, three crises all at once. Mm -hmm. um, the first is that Minnesota is the home or to some of the largest economic disparities in the country, and that right. includes um, employment, and that's been going on for a while. So um, we're consistently uh, battling um, having economic challenges, black and brown folks are. This is COVID-19, which changed how everybody is doing business and changed um, the employment outlook for many people and those who are employed, depending on the types of jobs you're employed in. Um, you, you, you can be putting yourself at physical risk, and there's a lot of um, black and brown folks who are at physical risk in um, uh, essential jobs. Right. So that's the second thing. And then the third is um, with the murder of George, George Floyd, there is increased awareness around the racism and um, disparities that are going on all around us in all different uh, systems. Right. And I do feel like and you can let me know whether the, the, the folks that you've been talking to about this, that it has gotten if you are still working, it's gotten kind of more exhausting because there seems to be and I appreciate this an influx of allies and people trying to do that. But also as a member of the BIPOC community, you do get more of that. Now, so many more people are flooding me with this question. And it does seem like you never have time to 
take a break from the trauma. Like, when do you have a chance to rebuild if you're at work and people are going, well, now explain everything from your experience to me every time I see you? Right. And I think um, black and brown folks already have um, figured out how to navigate the workplaces. You know, especially in Minnesota, we live in a predominantly white community. And when you look in the workplaces, most of our workplaces are predominantly white. So it's very um, often you're the only uh, person of color in a workplace. And so you become either the go-to person or if you're in a kind of a colorblind uh, environment, they're purposely ignoring you and purposely not talking to you about these things. Right. But as a, you know, as a, um, a person of color, you've already figured out how to, how to navigate that, how to be your authentic self at work, how to decide, um, you know, yes, I'm going to speak up about these things or no, I'm not. And, and recently, within the past month, all of a sudden, you know, all of our coworkers are paying attention to things that we've known all along. Right. We've seen all along. And they're painful things. Mm-hmm. And there are difficult things. And so for somebody just to come to you all of a sudden, somebody who you've worked with for years, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, you're black. I didn't realize, you know. Right. It, 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 it is exhausting. It is it's, I mean, it's also um, an opportunity. It's, right. You know, it's a good thing, um, but it is, it's, it's a challenging thing. And so really it's, um, I would say to our white counterparts, to our, our, our white coworkers to, you know, just be aware of that, be aware that um, we are under more stress. We're, we're not okay. We're, right. we're more stressed. We're feeling all different types of fear and pain right now. And, and, we've always been feeling a certain level of fear and pain. Um, and so we are grieving and we're trying to deal with these things. So as a white person who um, has, you know, more curiosity now or just, just wants to know what to do and wants to help, um, I would say, you know, thank you and that's great. Um, but, uh, but do know and be aware that that is causing um, extra pressure on, on your coworkers. Right. And I think that that's a very valid way to put it is that, you know, it's don't think that if they look exhausted and we look exhausted that you don't, you know, you're like, why do they seem so tired? They should be happy that I'm asking. Yes and no. It's also one of those. OK, well, remember all the extra energy that I have to. Uh, come up with to be able to have this conversation with you. And so, again, mm-hmm. I think it's always good to go, how can you find respectful ways to do it? How would you feel if you were trying to figure out on top of everything else, if you had additional trauma that was, you know, you know I, one of my favorite memes, and I think I mentioned this to you, uh, Denise, was there's like, you know, if you as a white person are feeling tired of talking about racism, imagine what it's been like living with it your whole life. Exactly. You know? So, um, So maybe just giving people a little more license to go, well, they... Maybe you do have to do some of the work and sit with it before mm-hmm. you go and you speak with your coworker. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things and we'll, when we wrap up with our, our friends from Care Counseling, one of the things we talked about before when we were talking about grief and dealing with and, and, and talking about um, with your 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 partners or friends that you want to help. Sometimes it's coming in and going, how can I help? What can I do? Mm-hmm. Giving that one and not putting more work on them. And, or making or wanting them to say that they're okay so you can feel better. Exactly. So not putting that mantle on their shoulders because you feel bad and you want to feel better and you want it to be done. So you want them to say, I'm okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I would also add, um, you mentioned, you know, if, if somebody looks exhausted, I would say, you know, there's a lot of uh, people of color out there who 
don't look exhausted, who right. look like they're okay and they're not. Right. And that's and that might be purposeful because that's how they've chosen to um, present themselves in the workplace. But um, yeah, to your point, it's, you know, to go up and to say, you know, how can I help or, or do you need anything? And if they say no, then trust them and believe them and, you know, walk away and just kind of, I'm here for you. Right. But also um, to your point, this is not something that we've just started dealing with within the past month. This is something that's been going on, for a very long time, for hundreds of years, literally since the um, beginning of our country, and um, and and so, you know, for our you know white counterparts, they're thinking about these things right now, and I challenge all of us to continue to think about these things and come back a month from now, two months from now, a year from now, and um, and say, you know, hey, how are you? Not only how are you doing, but also here's what I've learned. Right. So, um, you know, encouraging all of us to, you know, learn and increase our own cultural awareness and, and, and know what we think about these things. Right. Well, Denise, I appreciate you sharing your perspective on anything. I always encourage people because you always give me good advice. Like, even if you're fine, make sure you update your resume. So even basic things like that. So I encourage people to go ahead and hit up your website. It's Denise Felder at DeniseMPLS.org, right? MPLS.org. And she can help you get on the road. And if nothing else, give you some good advice so that when things start opening back up fully, you'll be prepared to get back out into the workforce. Right, Denise? Exactly. All right, Denise, thank you so much for joining us. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. And for everybody else out there, we're going to wrap up with some more information on mental health and racism with our friends from Care Counseling. We appreciate you listening to The Mom Show on My Talk 1071. Welcome back to The Mom Show on My Talk 1071, streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I am Ms. Shannon, and returning to the show are friends from Care Counseling, Dr. Andrea Hutchinson and John Hutchinson. Thanks again for using this time to help amplify some storylines and some different narratives, uh, John and Andrea. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Taylor. Um, thank you, Denise. That was really powerful. Yeah. And I want to so appreciate all three of you. And I want to cover a couple of things that uh, that we went over earlier in the show and then follow up with some questions that you guys kind of brought up when we were off air. And so uh, one of the things that Taylor mentioned was a book by Resma Manakin, and that's R-E-S-M-A-A-M-E-N-A-K-E-M. We'll make sure that it's on the Mom Show page as well. And I believe that you, uh, uh, Dr. Andrea, didn't you say you've read this one as well? It's uh, his uh, book on um, racial trauma called My Grandmother's Hand. My yeah, I'm actually, I just started it maybe two weeks ago, and I'm mm-hmm. probably halfway through right now. But um, you can't get it on Amazon right now, or you couldn't back when I purchased it, mm-hmm. but you can get it on Audible. And right. it's um, it's just a really powerful book, and it, it gives you really tangible ideas of things you can do personally when you're sitting there wondering, what can I do as a white person? Right. Or any person. But and- myself, as a white person, I read it thinking... Okay, I have some things I really need to work through and to think about, and right. I can work on within myself. And this is silly, but it's a Minnesota author, and that matters to me. He is a wonderful person. He's a wonderful person. I've had oh. the chance to speak to him before, yeah. so we'll make sure those links are up. There's also a number of YouTube videos that he's done out there that do talk about healing racial trauma and some suggestions that he has from a psychological viewpoint on how you can do that. So mm-hmm. I think that that's a good place for people to get some information as well. Um, and so another yeah. thing that we uh, mentioned is that I had a great conversation a couple of weeks ago with Dr. Shonda Kraft, another one of our uh, great licensed therapists here in the Twin Cities, and we talked 
talked about community trauma uh, and that as well. Yeah. And kind of, you know, that's a good, uh, I'll call it a starter lesson on some of what's going on right now from the perspective of two black professionals, myself and Dr. Shonda Kraft. And so that's a good thing that you can look at as well. And I'll make sure that that link is included on today's page. But um, thank you. We'll probably add those to care counseling's page too. Oh, yeah, we have a, a number of awesome resources listed on carecounseling.com as well, just relating to uh, white privilege and inequities and um, act, like real actions you can take. And it, it goes from like very short form to pretty long form, right. which is nice depending on like the level of energy yes. someone wants to put into this. Yeah. yeah. And people... kind of starting with the basic concept too of just um, cultural humility that, oh, yeah. you know, the word humility comes from being humble and there's no way we could know everything. And that's where we need to learn, not necessarily asking, like you just talked about, your black friends, you know, every last question, but actually doing the research and doing some self-exploration too. Right. And I do think that there's also, you know, it's fair to ask those questions. It's fair to use us as a resource. Like I know we had one of our My Talkers mm-hmm. call in and I appreciate them calling. They called during our conversation earlier and asked uh, me to give the definition of BIPOC. And that is the initialism that we're yeah. using now for black indigenous people of color. Um, it's kind mm-hmm. of the most recent initialism that we've used to really showcase a broader experience than when we were just saying POC. Um, because yeah. that did, you know, I, I, I know I, and I understand cause I've been part of those conversations where people adapt and change our initialisms and those things. And it does really showcase that n- instead of lumping everyone together, you know, it's no, we deserve mm-hmm. to have individual terminology. And so, and, and that's another one of those things where nobody expects people to, always keep up on everything. Um, and so we know that these is an evolving time and sometimes you're worried that you don't know the right thing or you make a mistake because last time you checked in on Google, this was the terminology that was appropriate. And now things may have evolved and that's fair and it happens in a lot of our communities. And so, again, I encourage people to be okay with not being perfect. You know, when we do this, yeah. that's what we have to do all the time. It's anytime you're trying to get to know another human being, but it is getting to know people on an individual basis and learning that experience. And, and as a person who comes from kind of a lot of privilege, I'm a, I'm a white cisgendered straight man. Um, I think it's really important to be comfortable, like recognizing when you're getting social cues that you've made a mistake right? on terminology and just ask. Mm-hmm. Say, oh, is there a different pronoun you'd prefer? Because right. I feel like that's, um, it, it's a little uncomfortable, but it's it's way better than having someone put in a position where they'd have to correct you. Right. Mm-hmm. Or don't feel so hurt that they correct you. You know, it doesn't mean, yeah. I, you know, I don't yeah. want to jump to, like, we use the word, you know, so many things okay that we talked about have become, hurt, you know, and so many things we do have become so charged right now that when, you know, when we talk about, having civil rights or finding equality and working towards that kind of growth, people are still experiencing. And this is something I think you can talk to Dr. Andrew. They are grieving what they thought was not what they're feeling is a sense of loss where if somebody else is uh, gains something that they will lose something. And that's one of the things that Mm -hmm. I try to communicate is that we're not Mm -hmm. saying that you aren't fine doing whatever you're doing. We're saying that these other things should be acceptable as well. Yeah. Right. Right. It's not pushing somebody else down. We can all win. This right. should be a win-win. We don't need to push somebody else down to raise somebody up. We should all be up. Right. 
Right. We got to do it by holding each other up and helping each other get to the same level. And, and we can progress. get there. And we can get there. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and and I, you know, and people ask me, well, why are things so heated right now? And I think a lot of our opinion goes back to what Taylor said is, unfortunately, from our side of a perspective of people that are in the BIPOC community, a lot of us are feeling mm-hmm. like things have not changed. And if they have right. gotten better, they've gotten better in such small increments that things are still mm-hmm. dangerous. And that's where people are now so angry that we're getting these upheavals. Um, but it's getting sure treating it like it's totally better. It doesn't make anything. Better. No. And trying to act like things are, you know, you telling me that everything's OK. I'm like, uh, it's not. And no. <laughs> it's not OK. <laughs> things are not OK. You know, and so I appreciate what uh, you guys are doing over at Care Counseling because mental health is important across the board. And, you know, we can't make mental uh, good decisions as a community if we can't take care of ourselves as well so finding a way that you can do that and we can have enough energy overall to bring everybody up right and like we talked about earlier this is a lifelong process i think a lot of us um you know have been a part of our whole lives and you know you were talking about that earlier you've been thinking about this your whole life and i think some people are just joining that path And that's going to take a lot of mental effort and we need to support each other. And I think, you know, mental health resources like care counseling can be really helpful on that journey. Right. I'm not a mental health professional, but I am. I'm a huge advocate of this industry and I love it. Right. I think when I think about therapy, I think of it as like an explorative journey of yourself. So everyone's starting at a different point and needing help along that journey is totally okay. Well, if you need help, someone is okay. And I appreciate you both again. Happy Father's Day to you, John. Thank you for.